0: on blast thank you thank you thank you you're far too kind for tuning in once again to the ball on blast podcast part of the on blast podcast network as always my name is Sheldon alexander and i'm here with my guy andrew webster webby what's good my dude
1: the ever-growing on blast podcast network
0: Yes. I mean, we're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. I mean, if if YouTube's your thing, you could find us there, too. We're we're everywhere. We're blowing up all over the place.
1: Omnipresent. Well, uh, how am I doing? I've totally forgotten basketball now that baseball started. (laughs) Ah, Just kidding.
0: (laughs) Right? I mean, there's so much news going on all the time that... Opening day, and as crazy as opening day in the major leagues was, which, which started with, uh, I don't know if you caught any of this Home run video, on the first pitch. First pitch of the season. But even before that, DJ Khaled performing <laughs> before the Marlins game.
1: <laughs> to an empty stadium.
0: <laughs> to an empty stadium. And at one point, he just goes, who wants to see DJ Khaled dance? And he just – and obviously the crowd says nothing because there's not (laughs) even a crowd there. there. But then he just starts like doing some salsa dancing by himself on this like makeshift stage. It's like, what is going on right now?
1: I did see a little bit of that on Twitter, man. That was weird. (laughs) Very weird. So
0: good. So good. So good. And also so good obviously is the NBA and your Toronto Raptors. And as we get into this basketball talk, as we tend to do here – on the Ball on Blast podcast. We start with the Raptors and our Wrap It Up segment, which is just, you know, little news and notes, whatever's going on with your Toronto Raptors over the past week, that was. And I wanted to start here, Webby, okay? So a couple days ago, before the uh, Denver Nuggets game. Yeah, this was before the Nuggets game, right? Before, Yes, before the Nuggets game, there's a reporter, and I don't know, I honestly don't know who the reporter is. I couldn't tell just by listening to the clip. Right. But there's a reporter that asked Fred Van Fleet of the first place Toronto Raptors, quote, when do you guys start to hit the panic button? You guys have dropped three of the last five games. Close quote. So first I want to say, shouts to Fred Van Fleet for keeping a straight face and not just (laughs) losing it
1: on this guy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Cause it was, it was actually a female voice. Not that that matters. Can you
1: imagine Russ? Can you imagine the face Russ Westbrook would have given this guy?
0: Even Lowry, right? Even if it was Lowry, right? So, you know, I bring this up because, you know, just a little peek behind the curtain. I understand like, We talk about it a little bit on this podcast, but we don't really talk about the backgrounds that we both have in the industry, right? Now, I've done this job before where you're following the team and you're in a media scrum, and I understand how monotonous it can be on a daily basis, and it's very easy to fall into cliches, and trust me, I get that. I understand that. But as media people, we have to do a little bit better, right? Because the Raptors are in first place. There's no need for the panic button. I get the cliche you know, the need for cliches sometimes because it's just, you know, the fallback. But let's 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 call a spade a spade here, and that's a completely and utterly ridiculous question. Ridiculous
1: question. <laughs> right? But listen, when you're going so well and you're mm-hmm. having a, a franchise-defining season and it seems like everything's just been uh, uh, wine and roses, that, you know, it's like you have to go searching for the story. And even if you have to make it yourself... Mm -hmm. You know, you got to do what you got to do.
0: And, you know, it could be one of those things, too, where sometimes you're just trying to goat someone into giving you a clip, right? Giving you a a quote for your story that you have to write today because you have to make up a story to write every day. Right. Again, I understand the nature of the biz. I get it. But what I do want to talk about, though, is what I think this reporter was trying to uh, get at. Right. Which is a fact that if you go over the last two weeks, I want to say uh, the past seven games. Right. Of the Raptors schedule, they've played a lot of very close games. And even in the games that they won, they were still very, very, very close. Right. And I think that's what this reporter was trying to get at. Right. So still,
1: I, I think even if you're winning games, it's less of a reason to click the panic button. I mean, you if you want to be successful in the playoffs, you look at the teams that are winning close games against good opponents. Definitely.
0: And I, and trust me, I wholeheartedly agree that there's no need, absolutely no need to bring up the word panic when it comes to a first-place team in the Eastern Conference, right? So, you know, maybe if is there something to, especially with this very insecure fan base that we have here in Toronto, is there anything to worry about? And I only bring this up because, again, There's been a lot of close games as of late, right? So if you go back to, let's say, the Mavericks game, right? Right. The Raptors win that game in overtime. Now, there's no need for you to go to overtime against the Dallas Mavericks, who are one of the worst teams in the league. Cool, but good teams win games that they probably shouldn't, right? Right. Next game after that was against Oklahoma City, which we discussed, and Russ just was a little too much. The Raptors, yeah, Russ was a monster. The Raptors melted down in that game. Everyone got tossed. DeMar got fouled. Everyone wanted to blame the refs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raptors lose a close game to Russ. After that, the Raptors win another close game against the lowly Orlando Magic. Again, they didn't really look that good, but pull out the victory. What good teams do. Exactly. Then you have the loss to LeBron, where, as you discussed last week, Webby, how did you describe it? It's Just LeBron being LeBron.
1: Yeah, no, LeBron doing LeBron. But listen, listen, <laughs> the Cavs needed the Cavs needed 17 assists and no turnovers from LeBron in a game to beat them. You know, For sure. like very few players are going to give you that kind of performance when you need it to beat a complete team like the Raptors. LeBron just
0: happened to do it. Totally true. I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Uh, they followed that up with another very close win against the lowly Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are a pesky team, right? Yeah, like the really. Nets are one of those teams, right? Like how they play, their style of play. They play up and down. It's high scoring, high offense. Or They don't really go away, if that couple makes of, sense. A couple of former Raptors on that team as well. True, 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 true. And then they lose a game on a Sunday to Lou Williams and the Clippers, and Lou Will was killing him come fourth Ooh. quarter time. That was a tough loss. That was one of those things where I, I wondered, like, watching that game, uh, Freddie was guarding Lou down the stretch. And Lou, I think, went for, like, 14 in the fourth quarter, something like that. Like, Lou just went off. And the one thing that I wondered about that game, Webby, was do you not try to switch Kyle Lowry onto right. Lou just to give him a different look? Or, well, or doesn't listen. Kyle Lowry say, hey, Hey Rook, let me let me try to take Lou. Like I don't know. Like it just seemed weird to me that Lou was just going off and the Raptors had no answers for him.
1: This was Adam. kind of this was kind of what I was talking about last week, though. Too is that in this situation when you're the Raptors, you got to play uh, this uh, trial and error, right? Mm-hmm. A- as you get ready for the playoffs and and the different looks that you're going to see. And I think you're absolutely right. That was a perfect opportunity. Where, you know, maybe you could have thrown a couple of different different looks at what you were seeing uh from the Clippers and and, and Lou Will.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely interesting, right? And and like that's where I guess the the thought process of, you know, you have the really insecure fans and then you have the media trying to get uh quotes. And I guess that's where we get to this point now, where we're asking after another close game against the Nuggets, who are a good team and who are fighting for their lives yeah, yeah. on a, I mean, their playoff I
1: lives. That's that's one of the most impressive wins that they've had recently. I think was that yeah, was that I mean, Nuggets win?
0: Oh, for sure. A team. I know they were on the second night of a back to back, but the Nuggets are a team that are high octane offense again. They're fighting for their playoff lives. They're trying to get in in a very tough Western Conference and. The big takeaway I got from that game was it was the return of the bench because I think like this whole worry and I'm using air quotes as if people can see me again, as I tend to do I often on this palm. audio medium. Right. Um, I think the term worried, if you're going to use that for Raptors fan base and how people are feeling over the past couple of weeks, if you are to worry, I think the biggest thing was the bench play right like the bench has been the key cog for this team throughout the whole season right as we discussed time after time each and every week either the raptors would be down and the bench would bring them back or the bench would come in and take a five point lead and make a 10 make a 10 point lead 15 what's really going on now is there's a saying right that you're really nobody in the league until you make a scouting report right and I think with all those there. headlines the Raps were getting as they were a first place team, I think you're not your bench isn't going to sneak up on other teams, right? Like other teams are coming in prepared for the bench. As we talked about, LeBron knows Jakob Purdle's name. And, <laughs> right, like we never really thought that would be a thing, right? Exactly. Do you think that's what it is? The scouting report's kind of getting out around the league? Well, it's got to be. It's now the, uh,
1: what do you say, a couple of times through the order now? Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of these Eastern Conference teams especially have have seen the Raptors multiple times, and now you're getting the second time that these Western Conference teams have played the Raptors. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. There's going to be tape on them, and and the scouting report is there. Now, does that kind of, like, lessen, you know, does that take away from what the uh, Raptors bench can do? I I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is necessarily – a strategy that the Raptors are putting in place that just knowing about is going to help you beat them, right? Because you still have to be pretty strong uh, in the regular season, one through at least nine, to put up with what the Raptors throw at you on a night-to-night basis.
0: Definitely, right? And I think it's just kind of like the, the ebbs and flows of an NBA season, right? Like things emerge, people emerge. Uh, strategies emerge and then it's about the adjustments right and I think that's just magnified come playoff time and I think all that's happening now is teams have adjusted to what the Raptors have done really well which is bench play and ball movement and the whole threes versus layups and kind of like the style of play that the Raptors have been using this year. It's kind of like teams have now adjusted, and now it's time for you to get better and adjust yourself. Right. Right. Like, And again, as you said, they're still winning games. So there's really, like we shouldn't be quote-unquote worried. I think things are just tightening up a little as we get closer to the playoffs. Because again, every possession will matter come playoff time. The games will be highly contested you're not going to win and blow out games in the playoffs that much. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just going to be a different style of play. And I think we're just ramping up to that more so than this is something we should be worried about in terms of the Toronto Raptors.
1: A hundred percent agree.
0: The other thing though is, and tell, tell me if I'm wrong, Webby, but we got the receipts. You can go back and listen to this podcast from <laughs> the beginning of the season. And what have I been stressing to Raptor fans at? you know especially following the loss of Cleveland where LeBron went crazy but I've been stressing
1: to be the man expect-
0: no i'm just saying keep oh. your expectations at the same level don't ride the wave and and you know everyone turned this into oh well the raptors need to make the nba finals now and if they don't make the nba finals or if they don't make the conference finals then this season is a failure and i'm i've been saying this the whole year that Cannot be the measuring stick as long as LeBron James is still around, and you could end up playing LeBron James in the second round. Because if you come out of this season and you lose in the second round, but we've seen what Siakam can do now, we've seen what Van Fleet can do now, we've seen you know the next evolution of Demar Derozan. Even if you come out and you lose to LeBron James again, those things are all still things that I would look at and say that was a successful season.
1: And unlike that's just me though and unlike in the past now you have real building blocks exactly. so even if it can't get done this season even if you run into that LeBron wall mm-hmm. and even if he takes you down you've got the foundation now of what is successful for this team what a successful yes. raptors team is built to look like and now you can really hone um, you know maybe where those gaps are if they're mm-hmm. you know especially if some of them get more exposed against the cavs if they do face Raptors and do win you'll have a little more of a blueprint rather than what they had the last couple of years which was oh man we had such a great season and and you know we should have won that playoff series against the Wizards or the or the Nets or the Cavs let's just run it back and and keep pounding our head against the wall
0: exactly you're so right and we talked about it too the foundation of what they're trying to build and what they've been termed They've been for the past couple of years what Casey and especially Messiah have been terming as the program, right? They're trying to run a program as if it's like a, a college program, a style right. of play from top to bottom, a, a group think, so to speak, yeah, in terms of style of play, consistency exactly, right? And so everyone, not to say that everyone's interchangeable, but the drop off from top to bottom isn't that isn't that far off. And if you end up getting a superstar. Cool. But being in this market, the chances of you getting said superstar is way different. LeBron is not signing here in the offseason. Right. Despite our uh, ads in the subway station. Right? <laughs> <That's>, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh here's a tough stretch coming up for the Raps right now. Okay, Webby. So the Raptors play currently they are three games up on Boston for a top spot in the Eastern Conference, right? And the Raptors play at Boston on Saturday, at Cleveland next Tuesday. And then the second half of the back-to-back is at home to Boston again, wrapping up the week next Friday at home to Indy. So again, being three games up on Boston, tough stretch ahead with Eastern Conference powers against the Toronto Raptors. How important is the top seed for the Raps, Webby?
1: Well, yeah, really important. I think not just in terms of where the rest of the Eastern Conference playoff picture is going to shake out, but just for the franchise as a whole. I think yeah. the even the optics of just being the number 1 seed in the Eastern Conference is going to be yeah. huge for the confidence of the team and the confidence of the coaches and the confidence for the franchise moving forward.
0: So I totally I think it's really important. I totally agree. And like if you again, you want to avoid Cleveland and if you're playing Cleveland in the if you drop to 2, which means you have to play Cleveland in the second round, we know that you don't want to do that. And yeah. best-case scenario, if you do get that top seed, that means if you get to the conference finals, that all-important Game 7 would be at home, and we know that that Raptors home crowd is, is not one to play with in that, in a situation like that,
1: right? Exactly.
0: Um, It's super interesting. A big week ahead for the Toronto Raptors. But can we give a little love to the Celtics? Like, I don't know how the Celtics are doing it. They're missing so many guys in their lineup. Right, things have been so crazy, and yet they just keep winning close games. We saw them do it. Was it in Utah? Jalen Brown hit that big shot. Huge shot. Like it's just how are they doing this?
1: Well, you. I'll tell you exactly how, and you know how they're doing this too. (laughs) They're so well coached. I'm sorry
0: to say it, but man, like uh, Brad Stevens is a, a, a wonder kid. You know what's so funny? There's an image of uh, after Jalen Brown hits the shot and he's lying on the ground. Tatum's over him, like punching him in the chest. And in the background, you just see Stevens calmly standing in the background. Like he didn't even celebrate when the three went in. He didn't even – and forget about celebrate. He didn't even have like a reaction (laughs) when Jalen Brown hits that three.
1: Right? Just calm and cool. Uh, It's unbelievable. And like you could give him five people from – (laughs) sports net <laughs> you know to play and he'd coach a hell out of it's it, it's amazing
0: and it's, it's so also amazing big.
1: i mean you brought him up tatum just the yeah. kind of ebbs and flows that he's had through this season and now he looks i mean he looks great again
0: yeah what they what they've been able to do and i think one of the, the strengths of brad stevens that we're seeing with uh kind of how things went for isaiah thomas and i know that he's hurt now but more so just how well Tatum and Brown have developed, is that one thing for sure Brad Stevens does is he puts you in positions to succeed. He'll take your strengths and put you in that position to be successful. And Tatum has had a great season. I think he's already set the Celtics record for rookie scoring. Yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure I saw that earlier this week as well. What, he, what he's done is so crazy. And to be missing Kyrie, to be missing Al Horford for a bunch of games. Even to be missing Marcus Smart. Exactly. Marcus Smart. Like, you're missing key people within your lineup. And it just, like, the ship has not sank at all, right? Like, they are still going. They're still in second place. They still have a shot to come in first yeah. in the conference. And we don't even know when Kyrie's coming back, right? But, a, Great shout out and a great test coming up for the Raptors because regardless of who's in that Celtics lineup, you know, they're going to show up and play hard. So I look forward to seeing what's going to happen next week with these big games for the Raptors.
1: And that's also a a really good basketball crowd too.
0: Yes, that crowd will be lit for sure. Big game Saturday night. Uh, But speaking of the Raptors, we, we touched on the Denver game a little bit, but I wanted to show some love to Jamal Murray. How good is Jamal Murray?
1: Yo, unbelievable. Nah, maybe not unbelievable, but I'd say unbelievable that he's running point on an NBA team.
0: I mean, coming out of college, we knew that he was a good shooter. We knew that he was a scorer. But we if there was one thing we weren't kind of unsure about, would be would he be able to get his shot off as easily in the NBA? Yeah. And he definitely has. Like yeah. his range is just crazy. He he can get it off the dribble. Whether it's going straight to the cup, whether it's that pull up Jimmy, like he looks so good. And I can't lie, watching that, all I was thinking was two things. Is he better than Andrew Wiggins? I'm not sure, but it's definitely a conversation, right? I don't know what the answer is to that, but more so.
1: Especially interesting on this day that Steve Nash uh, going into the Hall of Fame. We got to have the best Canadian in the NBA right now discussion. Is that what we're having
0: here? I mean, it is kind of crazy, and and it's perfect that you bring that up, Webby, because doesn't the the whole thing it just it's like coming full circle, right? right? Steve Nash going into the Hall of Fame, and we're at a point where we're able to talk about who is the best Canadian in the NBA, and where I was going with that for sure was definitely it made me so excited to think about the next Olympics, exactly, in Canada having a full roster. Like, that would be so sick. And, of course, Steve Nash is at the helm of Canada basketball. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago where uh, Drake and OVO and the Raptors put in a bunch of money to help support Canada basketball going forward. And just R.J. Barrett put in work this week in the McDonald's Ooh. All-American game, right? Like, it, it's amazing just the, the the steps that are being taken with basketball in this country. And we got to give a shout out to one of our dudes, too. Jason Tom,
1: right?
0: Oh man, big news!
1: I, I saw him on the. Uh, uh, I was watching uh, March Madness, and yes. on on uh, the three letter,
0: and, yeah, and they yeah, had yeah. a
1: little. Uh, they had a little feature about you know Canadians in the NCAA's, and, yes. and Barrett and everything. And then boom, who's on my screen? Oh, old colleague J.
0: Tom. Yes. So, for those who don't know, Jason Tom used to work with both of us at the Score television network and jason tom was at the forefront really he started doing this oh. segment called up next where he would interview uh the best like canadian high school players and yeah. prospects so at that time it was like he was on tristan thompson he was on uh uh cory joseph when so those guys were guy going down
1: zaga uh and who could shoot Gonzaga. the lights out Oh, like, Pangos. Pangos. Kevin Pangos. Hey, 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 hey. Kevin yeah, Pangos. he was
0: on all those guys before they took that next step to being stars in the NCAA and in Tristan and Corey's case, being big time players or good players in the NBA, right? Winning NBA championships, NBA champions. right? Yeah. like So Jason Tom was doing that. And now recently he is now the commissioner of the National uh, Preparatory Association, which yeah. is Canada's prep school league. And it's just amazing to see someone who cares that much about uh, youth basketball at the grassroots level in this country and to see him get a job like that, that is amazing because it's just perfect for him because he cares so much about the development of that of that uh, game in this country. So cool. Right. So we a- had to take a second to shout out JT Absolutely. as we're talking about Canada basketball, right? No,
1: nobody worked harder either.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. And just another one of those, you know, Shoutouts we got to give to people from the score that put in gangster work. Yeah, it's almost like that network
1: had a bunch of crazy talented people.
0: Oh, yes. Um, Yeah, can't wait for the Olympics. Think that is super amazing. And can't wait to see what happens next for our guy Jamal Murray. Not sure if if they will make the playoffs as things are really, really tight in the Western Conference.
1: Stop dunking on J.J. Redick is all I'd say.
0: Yo, that was a mean dunk, though. No, I don't know what JJ was trying to yeah, do there.
1: Exactly, you got you got you got to make a business decision there, JJ.
0: <laughs> so good. But speaking of your Sixers, Webby, oh. perfect segue into our turn up or turn down segment, oh, turn which is down simple
1: on my life.
0: <laughs> uh. Well, how this segment works is we make a hot take, and then there's two options: turn up equals good. Turned down equals bad. And the reason for the big sigh from Mr. Andrew Webster, who, if you follow us, you know he's a diehard Sixers fan. And the late breaking news, we find out that the Sixers announced that Joel Embiid will undergo surgery to repair an orbital fracture in his left eye. Timetable to be determined, but pending the results of surgery, Embiid could return to play in two to four weeks per league sources, First round, obviously, in some jeopardy. That from Zach Lowe's Twitter account. And and so, our first hot take in Turn Up, Turn Down, Webby. I'm sorry do to want, do this to yeah. you. Do you want to die? Turn up.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the process cannot be trusted. Webby, turn up or turn down?
1: Well, I'm turning down on the process cannot be trusted because you always have to trust the process. No <laughs> yes. matter... How many bones, or MCL tears, or broken jump shots there are? You yep. always got to trust the process. And this week was nutty, man. I uh, first of all, before we get into the bad stuff, we got to get into the good stuff because okay. this process question before was going to be good because Markel correct. because Markel Fultz came back, and not mm-hmm. only did Markel Fultz came back, but the jump shot looked wet. <laughs> and I, I and just the, having the crowd react to that, and for that young man to be to go through what he's gone through in his first NBA season, uh, and to put up with the with, with the bullshit that he's had to put up with the media and and, and fans alike, just completely questioning this kid's uh, you know focus from the game. Does he love playing basketball? What's wrong with him? Is he going to be the biggest bust in NBA history? To to fight through all that adversity, and to be the guy to put up his hand and say, "Coach, I'm ready to play." Yeah, and it was just that whole scene after the game. It gave me chills, man. It was awesome.
0: Now, Do you know what? I'm I'm not a Philly fan. You know, like I have no ties to Philadelphia. I enjoy watching their games. Embiid's really good. Ben Simmons is really good. Their crowd is hype, but I will say, like having no like vested interests at all, watching that game was amazing. Because like the crowd was just going crazy. The standing ovation he got when he checked back in the game. Obviously, having, I think it was his mom and his sister were there yeah, in attendance yeah, as yeah, well. Courtside. It was just really cool. It was a cool moment to see. It was cool to see a fan base that is normally known for being super hard on. You know, hard yeah. on players when things aren't really going well. It was interesting to see, you know, a reverse of that with the Philly fans cheering them on. And who knows how long that lasts. Right. Who knows, you know, what happens going forward. But in that moment, it was a really cool thing to see for Markel Fultz. And very 2018, right? Because we know that, like, obviously something physically was wrong. But we is it fair to assume that some of this was mental with him as well?
1: Oh, got to be.
0: Right. And so it, it was very 2018 in the sense that, like, you know, fans and I think teams and sports and people, everyone involved in sports, right, is finally figuring out kind of how, how things have changed in terms of how we receive different storylines, right? Like the DeMar DeRozan story and the Kevin Love story coming out and talking about anxiety and depression yeah. and stuff like that. Like, this is all new for everyone involved in sports, including fans, Right. And so, like, it was kind of cool to see that from, again, the Philly fans who, who, you know, are known for what? Cheering injured (laughs) players as they come off the field. Yeah, yeah. Snowballs
1: at Santa Claus. Yeah.
0: For sure. So that was an interesting sight to see. But going back to this and and the process, Webby, like, how much of a blow is this?
1: So that was a good side of the process. The bad side of the process is when Markel Fultz busts up Embiid's face. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so and, and a breaking news here as Joel Embiid has tweeted, um, which is the beauty of 2018, by the way. Absolutely. We don't have to wait for like you know some scrum sound the following day. It's direct to consumer here, as they say in business. And uh, Joel Embiid from his Twitter account says, "Quote: I guess I got to trust the process that I've been preaching. Unfortunate freak accident, but I'll be more than fine. Injuries jokes coming in three, two One hashtag the process hashtag two face.
1: Listen, if, if anybody knows about, uh, uh, coming back from hardships when it comes to injuries, it's Mm -hmm. Embiid. And honestly, as long as this isn't his knee, uh, or his foot, then you know what? I know the kid's strong enough to, uh, to power through. Now, the one thing that I was, I was, I read the, uh, the statement from the Sixers too. And, and and honestly, the most, uh, Scary thing for me isn't even necessarily the broken orbital bones. It's the concussion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one thing, though, with that, like, at least in basketball, like, yes, he could, he could take a while to come back. But I feel like the recurring concussion in basketball is a lot different and different. And I'm not saying, you know, concussions are definitely serious. I'm not saying that it's not serious. I'm just saying it's – uh it's a lot less it's a lot more rare in the NBA or in basketball than it is in football right oh yeah so like if he did come back you're not really as worried as you would be if he was coming back in a con a full-on contact sport right for sure
1: for sure right. but we saw you know what happened to Justin morno mm-hmm. uh, in baseball true that uh, very that, true that concussions can be like really scary you know and you never know really how somebody's gonna respond from it yeah and, and what the recovery is like but listen, the big man put the put the mask on the big man. And get him back out there in the second round.
0: No, that's a really good point, Webby. Really good point for you to bring up about the concussion as well. And you know what? I'll say too that I will also turn down on the process. Cannot be trusted because I think this is a freak injury. And I know that you know we 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 label people as being injury prone. And obviously, the majority of Embiid's career. Has been marred with injuries, but I think this is definitely a different thing than, you know, his legs breaking down or his bottom half. Do you know what I mean? Like whether it's his ankles or feet or knees or whatever. This is totally different. This is just, you know, it's almost like another test, right? Another test for the process. And another thing, too, and I know this might sound weird. Let's say he's not able to come back for the first round. Let's say. That they lose, right? And obviously, that's a lot of assumptions, right? Yeah. I almost think that it was they were almost being set up for this playoff to like the expectations were about to be too high.
1: Oh, they. Do you know already, what I mean? No, no, no. It had already started.
0: Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And like they were they're playing from, really well. No, sorry. Not go just on. From,
1: Not just from Philadelphia uh, bloggers or media types. I mean, you were starting to see. Uh, you know, in, in in media circles, major media outlets like, hey, do, this, do the Sixers have what it takes to get to the Eastern Conference Finals? Mm-hmm. You know, the, that expectation heading into the postseason was already getting pretty high.
0: Yeah, those little moves they made, getting Iliasova, getting Bellinelli, and obviously if Fultz comes back and he's able to contribute off the bench as well. Like, the way that they were playing, they were steamrolling. They were on a really good run as of oh, late. Yeah? And yeah, they were moving up. They had eyes on the third seed in the, in the East, right? And it's just yeah. like, whoa, right? Like, and, and this might be one of those. Okay, let's slow down and let's remember that you know, next year might be the year. Like, they might be a year away, or they might really be two years away from being two years away. Right?
1: <laughs> they're, they're not the Bruno team.
0: <laughs> uh. Amazing. Uh, well, someone who isn't two years away from being two years away is your boy, LeBron James, Webby. Ooh. And, uh, you know, we talked. He's weeks. putting up
1: casual monster numbers. It's crazy. Every cool. Every day I look at the box score, whether I've watched the game or I haven't, I'm just like, oh, my. Look at his numbers just from March.
0: <laughs> yes it Fuckin is not it is stupid i'm gonna bring it up right now but the the funny thing was you're you're so right because i looked at it yesterday they lost or sorry they won in charlotte yeah. and it was a funny stat that was floating around the internet after that win that kemba walker for his entire career is like O for 26 versus lebron james teams <laughs> which is just an amazing stat again oh for 26 against lebron james teams for Kemba Walker's entire career, which is just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. But, um, yeah, in that game, it's like LeBron on the second night of a back-to-back puts up, as you said, a very casual, what, 41-10-8? <laughs> second <laughs> like night of a back-to-back, whatever.
1: Like, it's no big deal.
0: No big deal. LeBron James keeps rolling, but... The reason this time that he makes it into our turn up, turn down segment is for something that Mr. James said away from the court. So LeBron to the Associated Press on the MVP race said, quote, I would vote for me, the body of work, how I'm doing it, what's been happening with our team all year long, how we've got so many injuries and things of that nature, guys in and out to be able to still keep things afloat. I definitely would vote to me. So, Webby, this turn up, turn down hot take is LeBron saying he would vote for himself as MVP is lame. Turn up or turn down? Turn up. Oh.
1: Turn up. Totally lame.
0: Oh, okay. But Go this, on. Why?
1: Nothing new. Nothing new from LeBron. <laughs> All right. I Listen that's that's insane and li- I, listen i know where you're gonna go for where you're gonna go for this
0: uh-huh.
1: all right but listen this is super lame i but don't he care. was asked a question though. i don't care if you believe it okay that's fine but okay. man listen lebron master manipulator right? <laughs> yes. like, I, and i'm not saying that he's dumb for yeah. saying this i think he's really smart for saying what he did oh it's super but, calculated but the question is, is it lame? Yeah, it's, it's really lame. And <laughs> and you know what? You know what? It's going to backfire. Oh. It's going to backfire. Well, you know what? And maybe that's what he had in mind all along. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, that's – listen, because you know why? Because the media members who vote on this, mm-hmm. this stuff, they, for some reason, take this shit personally.
0: So, do you know what? And and you know what? People who will turn up on this and say that it's lame. It's one of those things where this is another one of those instances where if you if you dislike LeBron, this is why you dislike LeBron because he does things like this, right? That he knows by saying this, this will become a topic in every NBA circle, in yeah. the lead sports Bayless center. He's
1: licking his lips at, at talking about this.
0: Right? Like he knows exactly what he's doing. And, you know, I, I I get it from that angle. And the other thing that goes along with this stuff in terms of, you know, people that dislike LeBron and because he does things like this. If you follow LeBron on Instagram, it's such an interesting follow because you'll see him lately, especially he'll like repost him like highlights of himself dunking on other dudes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's just like LeBron liking like Bleacher Report posts of him dunking on Nurkic. And it's just kind of like this is Kind of weird, no. But again, it's also very 2018, right? It's so. He is odd. a perfect millennial athlete. It's so so odd. But you said you knew where I was going with this, Webby, and I'm going to turn down on this. I do not yeah. think it's lame because, for one, but I know
1: I know exactly why though because, but and and I completely agree with what you're going to say here.
0: Well, here's I, the thing, right? He, he's being asked a question, right? And so. I, we talked. We started this podcast by talking about how you know every day it's very monotonous for the reporters, and yeah. on the at the same time, it's the exact same way for the athletes. They're being asked the same questions every single day, and so the reason we we can't get mad at them for not giving us the same cliched answers and then also get mad at them when he's being honest. He honestly thinks that he should be MVP. He's being honest. This is why we like the NBA. This is why we do a podcast about the NBA, because things like this happen, right? And the NBA is very 2018 and caught up in everyone's feelings, and we care about what everyone thinks about us. And so LeBron is saying, no, I definitely would vote for me. I think I'm the MVP. He's being honest. It's how he really feels. I'm not going to crush him for being honest. And it's kind of the same reason why, you know, Hockey is kind of boring to me, right? Like I love the Leafs, I cheer for the Leafs, but the Imagine Connor McDavid being asked this question, you know, like oh imagine God. them asking, Hey, uh, who do you think should win the heart? And you could never picture Connor McDavid ever saying, Well, I would vote for me <laughs> or I would pick myself. Like that would Can never happen, right? Can oh. you imagine? Don Cherry would lose his mind if that happened.
1: That's it. But so but that's what I'm that's what I'm saying about LeBron, is that like this guy is playing four-dimensional chess, I find, <laughs> with yes. with the NBA and the people who cover it. Yeah. Because, listen, does he believe that? Who knows? But he knows that keeping the conversation around the game and around himself and his team is a good thing for his brand, for the mm-hmm. NBA brand, which in, then in return is good for his brand. So mm-hmm. you know what you do? You create the uh, the swarm of, uh, of takes, you know? So yeah. anything he knows that anything he says is going to get blown up, and Skip Bayless is going to talk about it, and oh, yeah. we're going to talk about it. It's going to be all over the internet. He's smart enough to know that and put that out there and create this circus. You know, oh, I yeah. think that I, I, I really do think that he knows exactly what he's doing.
0: Oh, he definitely does, and I'm here for all of it. I'm here for the male soap opera that is the NBA, right? It's so funny, and it it's just so funny to contrast LeBron James again to like Connor McDavid, right? And it's so funny because yeah. we love the Leafs, we love we rep Austin Matthews and Mitch because they have as much of a personality as the Toronto for- media will allow them to have a personality. Does that make sense? Don't Do you forget know what I mean? my,
1: don't forget my third adult son William either
0: shout out to Willie. Yes, for sure. No doubt. No and doubt. All but, three of them. Oh, right. It's at it, least wave, right? We're definitely This is definitely a biased take because we love the Leafs, but I'm just saying like they, you know, the NHL doesn't you like you're forced to be a robot, right? But we'll see like oh, Austin ripping Mitch Marner's new commercial or whatever, right? Like there's some some personality there, at least a little bit that hockey will allow. But I think it was uh, McAuliffe brought this up on uh, on Tim and Sid the other day, and I thought it was a really good point, just about how both leagues could probably learn a little from each other, right? Really, and so like, make. yeah, really lo- good point right? LeBron could take a little bit from hockey in terms of being a little more humble, if that's the, the way to look at it. And hockey could learn a little bit from the Russes of the world in terms of loosening up a little and you know showing that individual flair and style, right? like They both could learn a little bit from each other. And I think that's a great point from Uncle yeah. Timmy, right?
1: Yeah, of course. But uh, why are we surprised?
0: Also true. Also true. Good <laughs> times, as always, with LeBron James as he continues his streak of being a talking point on our Ball on Blast podcast, right? Oh man. Uh, moving on. One last topic in our turn up, turn down segment. Uh, lots going on with the Golden State Warriors, and uh, I bookmarked this to bring this up as a lead into this uh, topic. But tonight's starters for the Warriors: Quinn Cook, Patrick Ooh. McCaw, mm. Kevin Durant, Draymond ah, Green, ah, and Javale oh, McGee. Back. And your boy Javale McGee okay so we know that steph curry is out steph curry might be out for the start okay. of the playoffs clay yeah, thompson yeah. should probably be back sometime soon but here's the key point and here's the next hot takes webby steph curry is more important than kd is to the warrior's success the the, the real intricacies to this uh, reason why i bring this up was there's a great read from the ringer and uh Basic, I'm going to read a little bit of this here because I found this super interesting, right? And uh, here's a little chunk. It says, The game undeniably changes without Curry. The Warriors' ball movement isn't as crisp, their assist totals dip, and they settle for mid, more mid-range jumpers. Only 28.9% of their shot attempts come from the mid-range with Curry on the floor, right? Compared to mm-hmm. 42.9% when he's off the floor. They essentially go from shooting the second fewest in the league to the fourth most without Curry. Team style inherently changes when the league's when the league defining star isn't on the court, but Golden State's transformation without Curry isn't especially drastic. So basically it's saying that, you know, Steph Curry, we know what Steph Curry does. He's a three-point shooter and he's getting layups. But with Durant, it's a lot more ISO ball and he might settle for those the turnaround Jimmies, right? The mid-range right. game, which is kind of the anti-Houston Rockets, kind of the anti-new NBA, so to speak, right? So as we relate this back to the topic here, I'm going to turn up, and I think that Steph Curry is more important than KD is, but not really for the reason that you think, right? Like I think Kevin Durant is a better player than Steph Curry, but I think the Warriors are just more used to playing with Steph Curry and without KD than they are used to playing with KD and without Steph.
1: Yeah, right he's their he's their system
0: exactly yeah steph is also still kind of like their point guard for lack of a better term right where right. you know ball handling making more plays whereas durant can get buckets he you know plays great defense but he's not really the playmaker that you know steph curry can be within that offense or draymond is within that offense right super interesting right. though to see To see Kevin Durant have to go in, he's going to have to go into beast mode for them, even in the first round, without Steph, no?
1: There's almost no player I like seeing go into beast mode more than Kevin Durant.
0: Yeah, playoffs are going to be a lot of fun, kids. A lot of fun. And especially when you go to the West, as I pull up the standings in the Western Conference as we speak, and for the record, uh, as we speak, the OKC Thunder in Spurs right now? It's been a great one?
1: game. It's oh. been a great game.
0: This game is so fire. Especially the second half has been
1: just back and forth here. Ooh. Such a
0: good game. It looks like the Spurs are going to win as a, yeah, yeah, you're right, pulling off a comeback. But uh, you look at the Western Conference standings, and your Golden State is a two seed. You could be facing Minnesota in that first round. Now, Jimmy Butler would probably be back. Would he be 100% healthy? Not really sure. But Golden State would be without Steph Curry, most likely. Like that's a tough matchup. It, it's just so yeah. crazy in the West. I don't know how. I don't know how things are going to play out, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And speaking of the West, yo, did you catch that uh, Blazers Pelicans game the other night?
1: I did not. Oh is my this the goodness! One, this is the one that Dame was playing in, right? Yes, Dame was Before playing. He
0: left. Yes, because uh, they had a private jet on standby because. Yeah. He was about to have his first kid, and he wanted to be there for it. So they had the private jet on standby for him in like a bunch of different cities, depending on when uh, his wife was going to go into labor. But uh, him and AD just went at it, and it was a crazy, crazy game back and forth. Like the Western Conference playoffs is going to be, the Eastern playoffs are going to be great. But just the way that the West, like so much can change on a night-to-night basis. Oh my goodness, so much oh. fun. What's crazy
1: is, too, are we past the, oh, we all know it's going to be Cleveland and Golden State in the finals?
0: See, we were talking about that the other day, right? And I think if you just told people, hey, it's going to be the fourth year in a row of Cleveland versus Golden State, people, if you just told people that, I think they would be mad. But I think that if we get to that same point, so much craziness will have happened in between – that we'd be okay with it being Cleveland versus Golden State for a fourth time? No.
1: I, I listen. If it's Cleveland Golden State for a fourth time, you're absolutely right. Something nuts has happened.
0: Yeah, like so much has gone on. LeBron would probably have to be like one of the best playoff performances he's had to date. Uh, you know, I'd assume it would be a great, crazy series between the Warriors and Rockets. I'd assume that would be a crazy series, or. The Rockets would get upset by someone in another crazy series. Like, No matter what, if we did get to that point, the way that the season is gone, I think we'd be okay with it because it means some crazy shit happened.
1: If it were to happen, it would mean that both number one seeds lost.
0: Also true. Also true, Webby. Um, Can't wait. Again, there's about a week and a half left in the season, let's say, and the NBA doesn't disappoint at all. And, you know, one place that the NBA doesn't disappoint, Webby, it's on social media, which is why we created a little thing called the Feed Me segment, which is the best things in the NBA to come across our social media feeds. And this might not be the best thing, but it was an interesting note. Uh, This from the Lakers. They tweeted out today a medical update. Isaiah Thomas had successful arthroscopic surgery to his right hip today. Thomas will miss the remainder of the season. His expected recovery time is four months. Obviously, this is not the best thing to come across our timelines. This is kind of you know sad news because it's been a tough year and a bit for Isaiah. Yeah. Um, so the question here though is will will it re- return to form? I stumbled on that because I wrote down will it, but as I was reading it. It was Will, Will it. it. Yeah, that's <laughs> literally what I just did there. So good. And I'm leaving that in, too. I'm not taking it. Yeah, you got to leave that in. <laughs> so good. Will IT ever return to form? Webby, what do you think, man?
1: Oh, man. It's tough, right?
0: It to is hit. tough.
1: And that, that hip injury is so tough on a little – it's almost like a, a foot injury on the big guy, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and yeah.
1: just so much of what he does is – is powered through like that center of gravity for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I I hope I'm wrong, but I got yeah. I, I'm turning turning down that he's going to come back to his former uh, his former self.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. it's tough, man, to think that he was what second in league scoring two years last year, An second end, or third a, a in legitimate league legitimate
1: MVP candidate.
0: So crazy. And and now, you know, this was a contract year for him. Who knows where he's going to play? And it's crazy for me too, Webby. Like, I, if I go back, I actually went to Washington on assignment and did a sit-down interview with Isaiah Thomas when he was at Washington. Yeah. So, like, it's so crazy to see where his career – has been from that point. it was funny cause I was talking with, uh, uh, Jason Sands who at the time was in charge of our NCAA coverage. And he, I remember him sending me because what we'd have to do back in the day, a little peek behind the curtain, you know, you'd kind of have to guess what the storylines would be for March madness for our March madness right. coverage. So midway through the season, you kind of have to pick out and, and figure out, okay, well, who's going to be a story, who's going to make the tournament, who's going to be like one of those things. And, sands had this like great record of guessing right <laughs> on yeah. dudes, right it was so good so impressive but one of the things was isaiah thomas i remember he sent me to go do that interview and it was it was so crazy then to see how like he was very good media wise then as well oh yeah because if you remember when he burst on the scene obviously the whole thing was about his name being isaiah thomas and his dad was losing the, the bet and right? it was
1: the pack wait he won the pac 12 title on the three-pointer and oh yes and ooh. gus
0: johnson had the call
1: young fella yes uh, cold-blooded yes, 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 yes and yes. then who was the other guy on the team was it quincy pondexter
0: yes yes yeah, yes yes yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my my see my
1: memory's not all shot
0: right like it, it's just crazy for me to see like just how his career has gone from then to yeah. now and he has been it, it was a great ride right because Honestly, no word of a lie. I consider myself to be a short or average at best height person. Do you know what I mean? And I looked into his eyes. Like, that's how tall he is. And this was (laughs) a guy that reached the the pinnacle of the NBA, right? Like, it's so crazy to think about it in that sense. And, you know, it'd be a a tough way to watch, you know, him go out like this. So I hope that he does get back. And I hope that, you know, at least he can settle into being maybe – you know uh, a sixth man off the bench and contribute that way on a contending team hopefully that's something that'll work out for him
1: you're absolutely right you a, a guy like isaiah thomas his personality oozes off the screen and mm-hmm. off the court yeah. you know and uh in, he never seemed like a, a a really bad guy or uh or or you know, he was always somebody that it was fun to root for yeah I, and i say was like he, he passed away he is a fun guy to root for, and I'm I'm hoping for nothing but a full and speedy recovery for him. Totally. It's just it's just tough, you know.
0: Totally, totally, totally. And I know we started off our feed me segment, which is normally fun with on kind of a down note. So let's let's pick things up a little bit here, and we're gonna go back to LeBron for a bit here, but it's a different wave. It's we're talking shoe game here, and LeBron, it, again, if you follow him on Instagram, you'll notice that a lot of his posts. Like he's earning that uh, lifetime deal he supposedly has with Nike. Idea. Right? Like his Instagram his Instagram is basically a Nike ad every night, right? And he just fire kicks, right? So good. Yo, they're
1: so awesome. So So sick.
0: This week they the Cavs were in Miami and uh, it was a very funny thing actually because they lost in Miami and you know, as people call it, the Miami flu as they were oh, blown did, out in Miami. Tell
1: me you saw the block from Wade on LeBron.
0: Oh, so good, right? Did, did you see after on Inside the NBA, which is why Inside the NBA is one of the best sports shows there is, but Shaq dubbed over mm-hmm. LeBron's post game. And it was basically mm-hmm. oh. just him talking about what they did the night before. He's like, well, first we started off at Club Live. And then we stayed there for <laughs> blah blah blah, <laughs> right? he just kept going on and on, talking about the night they had before and that's why they lost. And he like dubbed over LeBron's post-game scrub. It was that's really, really jealous. funny. LeBron even commented on it the next day, just saying, like, damn Shaq, you a fool, man. You know, like just laughing at it because it's really fun. But uh again, that's NBA right. dudes having fun on uh social media, but LeBron also had these special Nike LeBron Fifteens, the South Beach edition, and it was basically the colorway of those Miami Miami Vice, the Miami yeah, Heat the, Miami the Vice, Vice cities. jerseys. Yes, so fire. But I want to ask you something, Webby. Are you okay with LeBron rocking the shoe colorways of the opposing team? Isn't that kind of yeah. weird?
1: No, I, they're just kicks. The, the other thing too was in that same game, Dwayne Wade's shoes were unbelievable oh i don't even I know even if i see, saw them i don't even see exactly what they were but they were popping off the screen man they were dope oh. uh, but no guy he used to play in miami okay. he got ties to south beach i got no problem with like I, I think that would be actually really cool of lebron if in every city he wore <laughs> uh Le, lebrons that paid homage to that city oh. i think that'd be i think that'd be awesome
0: Hold on. You should probably sell that idea to Nike. You shouldn't just give that away for free. I know. It's mean, a pretty listen, good idea. Yo, Phil Knight, holler at me, man. Right? Some OVO LeBrons? What?
1: Yo, no. black and gold? That'd be fire. Oh. Liberty Bell, Liberty Bell LeBron 15s. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's go.
0: Right? Uh, the other thing that was funny about that, though, LeBron, as he posted that on Instagram, Gabrielle Union, who also happens to be wifey of Dwayne Wade, commented on LeBron's uh South Beach shoes and said something to the effect I don't have the exact quote, but something to the effect of, hey, just a reminder, there's no state tax down here.
1: Oh no. (laughs)
0: Oh could LeBron actually go back to Miami? What?
1: (laughs) No. Stop.
0: (laughs) So don't think. No, I don't think so. But I just found that super funny that she would even throw that out there. But again, twenty eighteen, she knows what she's doing, right?
1: I just hope that he responded with a hashtag sheesh.
0: (laughs) Either way, LeBron is such a good marketer for Nike and that lifetime deal. So crazy. So crazy. He had so much because, too, they also had – it was Air Max Day on Monday. And the Air Maxes that he had, they made like crossover shoes that were like special edition LeBrons, but they were almost stylized as other famous Air Max – like styles if that makes sense okay. for lack of a better term
1: where where do i find this i want to find this right you have now. to
0: go on lebron's instagram page it's so fire he had ones that were uh it was like a cross between i think the air max 95s and the lebron 15s and the colorway was basically uh, a neon green like uh bubble the air bubble and then the upper was gray uh so good like his instagram Yo, feed is at so them fire. now they're
1: so awesome yeah
0: his Instagram feed is so fire, but uh, yeah, Air Max day, so much fun. Shout out to Nike, great marketing. I feel bad that I'm such a sucker for for uh, mar- blatant marketing like Nike and Apple and all those things. But hey, at least I'm honest. <laughs> I'm honest about it, right? Yeah, I'm exactly, okay. With it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next up in our turn up, or sorry, no, our feed me segment. Next up in our feed me segment, uh, this came across my timeline, Webby, and I'd like to get your thoughts. Leangelo ball for those unaware of the ball family it's been a while but Leangelo is the middle brother not lonzo who's in the nba and not Lamelo, who's the young prodigy and said to be the best of the balls but the middle son Leangelo, declared for <laughs> the <want> go- <laughs> nba draft the 2018 nba draft Leangelo ball declared for the 2018 nba draft
1: webby the jan the jan brady of
0: the <laughs> ball family yes Right? So, uh, thoughts, Webby, on that. Does that do anything for you? Do you think he will get drafted? No. (laughs) I'll tell you what. Right now, I just pulled
1: up the uh, uh, big shout-out to NBADraft.net. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at their 2018 NBA mock draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the very last pick of the draft, he has the Philadelphia 76ers selecting Theo Pinson of UNC.
0: (laughs) Theo Pinson, that is amazing.
1: Now, is uh, Jan Brady Ball better than Theo Pinson?
0: Um, I mean, pedigree alone would make me have to take Theo Pinson, I'd say, right? Of course. Uh,
1: Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. Listen, if there were three, four, five rounds in the NBA draft, Mm -hmm. then yeah. But there's only two um but
0: that's i have a question 60 for you spots
1: is, is jan brady ball the 60th best player that's declaring themselves eligible this year
0: well my no. question for you has theo pinson ever scored 72 points in a game no webby <laughs> and i say listen, that jokingly obviously because
1: listen, the sent theo pinson to lithuania <laughs> Or Latvia or wherever.
0: They're in Lithuania. But, yes, Theo Pinson would have that work. He, he'd he be going for Kobe's 81 on a nightly basis, No, Yo, 100%. But this is the real reason why I put this in our Feed Me segment, right? Because, again, say what you want about LeVar Ball, but he is a master marketer, right? So on the exact same day that Leangelo Ball announces that he's entering the NBA draft, Leangelo then goes out and drops 72 in a game in their league in lithuania but here's the thing right and this is why we try to provide a service here on the ball on blast podcast because mm-hmm. despite the fact that we are unpolished and unapologetic we still hit you with the real story right so obviously people will see the headline that says Leangelo ball dropped 72 points and Lamelo dropped 36 points in this game in lithuania right but what people don't pay attention to because in 2018 we rarely get past the headline is that there are two different leagues that these guys have been playing in since they went to Lithuania. There is the men's pro league, right? And then yeah. beyond that, Lavar decided to make the big baller brand challenge, which is, which works as the youth development league for the same pro league that they play in. So, all the times that you've been seeing these crazy numbers, because you know every once in a while you'll, there was a headline that Le'Angelo did this or LaMelo did this, right? Yeah. More often than not, it was them in the youth league that they were dropping these massive numbers, especially the 72 points. So
1: as they're like picking up Lithuanian homeless people to play in this, league.
0: <laughs> well, they're playing in the youth league. And again, they are youth. Right. So like they're playing with people their own age, but it's just not the same story that we're being sold about them playing in a pro men's league overseas and them putting in all this work. Right. You know what I right. mean? It's, it's very shifty. You know, it's, it's very uh, alternative facts. Is that what, yeah, is yeah, that what go. Trump and them tried to say, right?
1: Yeah, alternative facts.
0: <laughs> right? Like, it's true. He did score 72 points, just not in the league that you think he scored 72 points in. I mean, say what you want about LeVar Ball, but he is a master manipulator, a great per- promoter. And the last thing I'll say on this, because I know I say a lot that people don't want to hear about the Ball family, is... If you go back and look at NBA drafts and you look at whatever European players were drafted high in the draft, and whether they did well in the NBA or not, that's not really the point here. The reason I bring it up, though, is because look at what their numbers were in different European pro leagues, right? It's never like they score that many points. It's never you know, they, they might score like 10 points or 12 points, but just because they're doing that playing with men, that's enough to get drafted. And so I say that because I'm pretty sure their numbers are like 10 points in the actual like men's league they're playing in. And if it was, you know, uh, Andrea ball (laughs) that was dropping 10 points as an 18 year old in this Lithuanian league, where would that guy get drafted? Right. Would that guy get drafted for sure? Just based off potential, I don't know the answer, but it's just a question I put out there to make you go, hmm. Hmm. Just make you think about it, Webby. No? <laughs> what do you think? Will he get drafted? Do you want him no. to get drafted? No. The best idea he, I saw. The, he's the bad one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like if if the, what's the youngest one? Uh, Lamello. If Lamello is good. And can play, yeah. He'll get drafted, yeah. But Jan Brady Ball it, in good,
0: <laughs> so funny. Uh, the best idea I saw about this though was that uh, the Lakers D League team should sign up just to sell jerseys, oh. just to like it's a D- <laughs> it's a G League, right? Like whatever, just right. whatever it takes to like that kind of makes sense, no? Like make that a thing, like if it can be a thing, I don't know. It's a G League.
1: Right? Like, sure, sure. If he tries out and he's better than the other guys who are already on your G League squad. <laughs> True.
0: I mean, but if is we- this
1: guy ever going to be an NBA player?
0: Um, Probably not. Probably not. But I mean, hey, LeVar might be giving him a better chance than, like, would we be talking about him at all if he was still on UCLA and not playing? Mm-hmm. I'll put it to you like this. We probably wouldn't be talking about it on this podcast. Definitely not. Right? Right. If you're right. sitting on the sure, bench for UCLA, sure. who, did they even make the tournament? Or did they lose early? I don't even remember. No, they didn't. Uh, they lost their play-in game. Oh, yes. Syracuse. They
1: lost the play-in To game. Syracuse. Yes. To Syracuse.
0: So we wouldn't even be talking about Leangelo Ball right now. And some people, you know, might say we shouldn't be talking about him anyways. But yet here we are. <laughs> so, you know what? We'll we'll head to our uh, last portion. Oh, no. Sorry. I have one more thing I want to ask you about, Webby. Yeah. One more thing in the Feed Me segment I want to ask you about. So, uh, Kevin Durant made another stop by Bill Simmons' podcast.
1: Yeah. I've only heard the first part.
0: So, I listened to a bit of that too. But – uh One of the themes was Kevin Durant is not really holding back on what he calls blog boys.
1: Blog boys. (laughs) Blog boys and blog girls.
0: Yes. Yes. Let's not discriminate here, right? Um, So, Kevin Durant, I'm going to read you this this portion here. And I want to get your thoughts. And I'd love to get readers' thoughts as well. So, Kevin Durant says, quote, I don't like analytics at all. I like field goal percentage, defense. I like field goal percentage. I like turnovers. I like rebounds. The real stats, the true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage and all that stuff, come on, man, it's flawed. PER, it's flawed. You can't look at numbers first and then watch. People are lazy. They don't want to watch games. It's too long. It's too hard to watch games. There's a bunch of coaching vultures in this game right now. It's a bad place. Then he goes on to say, Can I make a PSA real quick? All your blog boys and your fan boys that's going to use everything I say and create an article, watch a basketball game. How about you write that? I just want to say that because all these guys are going to write articles and get real mad about what I said tonight. They're going to put their emotions into it. It's not about you. Watch a basketball game. Enjoy the game. Stop worrying about me so much. I just wanted to say that. Close quote, Webby. It's re- your thoughts? It's
1: it's really funny how um, how two sides of the same coin Kevin Durant and LeBron James are.
0: Yes, yes. You know
1: where we where we just spent like ten minutes talking about you know uh, what LeBron said with a couple of sentences about how he would pick himself for MVP. Mm-hmm. Started a whole news cycle, controlled the narrative, you know, got people talking about what LeBron wanted people to be talking about. Meanwhile, Durant seems to. Now, I know he was kind of like, this was definitely an informal setting on the yeah. podcast, whatever. He was just doing his thing. But seems to almost. It, whereas LeBron is proactive with how he handles. Uh, the media and the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Durant seems more reactive. Yeah, does that make
0: sense? Yeah, no, no, no. I totally, I totally hear what you're saying. It's like LeBron knows that for certain things he's going to get crushed on, right? Like let's let's use the example of how uh, he deals with the the hairline stuff, right? And like him being bald, like he's kind of embraced that and like allows him to allows himself to be the butt of the jokes, right? Right. Whereas like Durant clearly is like comes off his butt hurt kind of right by like well, and, and, things that and, and people this, say this about is, him
1: it's what's kind of been his mo the last like since he went to Golden State with the burner accounts and him getting mad online and stuff like that
0: yeah exactly right and and that's the funny part about this because he's talking about all these blog boys and fanboys that use everything that he says but he clearly felt a certain way about all this, right? Like you're trying to come off as a tough guy and you don't care, but clearly you really do care because you were making up fake accounts to like counter what people were saying, which might be one of the most ridiculous things ever, right? But, and I feel bad for him because at the crux of what he's saying, I might tend to agree with him. Right, like I like the eye test, and I think that some of these stats go way too far. And there's not well, enough. There's not enough that's put into just the eye test and like watching basketball. Right, and like I, I might be, I might tend to agree with them. It's just that I don't know if he's the one that gets to say this after you make up fake accounts to go at people online. Right, right.
1: right. Do you know what I mean? Well, the, the, the it's funny that that analytics uh, discussion in every sport is really interesting, but. What well, what I don't understand is why can't it be both, you know, exactly. I, I mean, I, I, you get a lot from, from, you know, the, I, the quote unquote eye test, but there are some things that, uh, a little deeper dive into the numbers and some of these formulas that, um, are, are there to analyze what people are doing. They're also very handy and you can find a lot of like, uh, benefits and, um, a lot of benefits and a lot of negatives will will make themselves shown through the numbers of these advanced uh, uh, stats. Yeah. It, Whereas you know me just watching Patrick McCaw hit a three, like, yeah, hey, Patrick McCaw can hit threes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying, and and in uh, the deeper conversation that they were having at the time about this, it was interesting because him and Simmons were talking about how, like, Simmons would say that he would watch something and then try to find a stat to back up what he just saw right like mm-hmm. you're watching something and you're forming an opinion and you think your opinion's right but then you find stats to back up what you just saw right and and durant did make the point you know you can't look at numbers first and then watch which you know i kind of understand what he's saying because i think it kind of does and this is all sports the stats have become like a lot like way too crazy right there's not enough focus on the eye tests and things that you can just see right and I use the Raptors bench as, as an example, right? Like the other day, I was looking at what's been the trend in those in the last uh six or seven games where it's been a lot tighter. And it's the the what was uh, the net rating of the bench. The numbers were down, right? For the net rating of the bench over the last seven games. And that's a perfect example of okay, I'm watching the games and I can see that the bench isn't playing nearly as well, but there's the like stat nerd stat to back that up. Right. So I think you're right. It does go both ways, but really uh really I'm here for the salty, the continued saltiness of Kevin Durant <laughs> despite yeah. being an NBA champion.
1: <laughs> really.
0: So crazy. Funny. Uh but let's wrap up this uh, this uh episode of the Ball on Blast podcast webby with a little recap of uh Ask on Blast, which, you know, we've kind of turned this into an Atlanta recap.
1: What did you make of
0: last week's episode?
1: Well, like once again, just like Donald Glover and the people who create this show on a week-to-week basis. I mean it it was – i was just so interesting Mm -hmm. and and like uh, to frame uh, Earn's relationship with – what's her name? Yeah, V with Van. Uh, to frame that relationship in the, in the way that they did in that weird town. Like and some
0: Oktoberfest celebration or whatever that was. Yeah. And it was so great. Mm-hmm. And the way that they handle certain topics is so good, right? Because, you know, they deal with such serious issues. And, like, you know, as a black guy, I, I'll try to explain the whole colorism side of this, right? And, like, even within the black community and how her and her friend were talking about. Oh, well, they had that conversation oh, where they're yeah. sitting at the table. And it's like, well, I always wanted you to come hang out with us, but you kind of decided that you wanted to hang out with them. As in yeah. talking about, like, you know, how she ended up with Earn and how the friend or was that her friend or cousin? Who was that?
1: I think it was Friend.
0: Yeah. And how the uh, friend who's dating a white guy, you know, like, and how they were using that example of how sometimes, you know, in different societies and cultures, you'll find this division within like the black community which is like so dumb about like who you hang out with and it's one of those things where you know it'd be so magnified in a place like atlanta whereas coming from toronto being born and raised in toronto it's so interesting because yes there is that on a level but it's still so different because toronto is very multicultural right and if you choose to be to to embody that you can do that and you won't see it as much on that issue Right. Like if that makes sense, I hope I explained that well, but it, it was just such an interesting thing. The way that they tackle such difficult topics is why I love that show so much.
1: Exactly. And even how they take something like a, like a relationship drama comedy mm-hmm. and, and frame it in the way that is something that you've never seen before.
0: Like let's play ping pong to decide if we're going to stay together or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. I <Like>, think what? And,
1: <laughs> and is like, it, no, I didn't do any re- – I'm an idiot. I should have done a little bit of research. But is that place in Georgia real? It's got to be,
0: right? Oh, I have no idea. I don't even know where the place was. Did they say where they were going? I didn't so, even, yeah, it I was don't the even name, know.
1: Yeah, it was the name of the um, episode. So it was oh. Helen, It was Helen Georgia. Yeah, it's an actual place and it's like a Bavarian – That is so interesting,
0: right? And it's it's like – friggin' wild. Right? But think about it, how you're dealing with uh, racism and classism, like, all within the black community. Like, it's a super interesting, like, deep dive, but it's not done in a way where they're slapping the blackness of the show in your face. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And and And, not that they should or shouldn't. I'm just saying, like, it's giving you an interesting storyline about black people without slapping you in the face that this is about black people. Exactly. I don't know. I, I love the show so much. I think it's such a good like conversation, you know. Like, and they they mix it, in the right bits of comedy and seriousness into it. So good.
1: It's it's easily the most interesting. Like, it's my favorite watch of this uh, of the week. It, like, uh, I can't. Tomorrow morning, I got a day off. Tomorrow, I'm gonna they, wake up and watch and watch Atlanta. It's I, it's the
0: best. So good. And uh, you know, my other one of my other favorite watches of the week is Billions. Yeah.
1: So okay, this is what I I haven't watched yet. Okay, but okay. I, I need you. I need your like you need give me sell? your thirty thirty second to a minute recap of what happened in episode
0: one. Okay, so episode one basically we get caught up with what happened, like what happened in between the end of last episode of last season, yeah. which is uh, we find out the big reveal that you know uh, Chucky e. Rhodes. Had this whole game, and he 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 basically baited Axe into right. the whole thing, and Axe is now being sent to jail. So the episode starts, and we find out that you know Axe is now his wife has left him; she's taken the kids. He's now moved mm-hmm. to a nice downtown loft, right? Which is like oh, awesome. single Axe on the go. Well, oh, single Axe is moving and shaking. Like Axe is making moves in more ways than one. Let's say. Um, on the flip side, he's put he's put Taylor in charge of yeah. the operation, and they've also moved to a downtown office as well. Axe Capital has moved downtown. And oh, basically no
1: longer in Connecticut.
0: No, no longer in Connecticut. And basically the first episode was about uh what is Axe gonna do? Is he gonna um play ball or is he gonna try because they've frozen his assets and so he can no longer trade. So he needs to figure out what is he gonna do? Is he gonna turn over everything to taylor so they unfreeze the assets and so uh the company can still trade but he can't be involved what is he going to do with his family uh we find out that chuck is back together with uh what's maggie Siff's character's name what's why can't i remember her name right now uh tara from i know uh, tara from sons of anarchy and i love (laughs) her so much she is so great why can't i remember her name in the show Cause she, um, is it because she, she'll always be Tara to me?
1: She'll always be Tara. She
0: is awesome, though, by the way.
1: Great actress. She is really good. I'm, She's really good. In that I'm show. not going
0: to ruin the scene for you because, you know, if you're listening to this and I'm trying to sell you on this and you're going to uh, end up watching it, I'm not going to ruin the scene for you. But there is a scene and you will definitely know what scene I'm talking about when you see the episode that it's just wow, 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 wow. Chuck Rhodes and his <laughs> marriage is just, you know picking up steam again, let's say, let's just say that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great show. And the reason why I like it, it's almost like a toned down Sorkin in terms of, you know, we like Aaron Sorkin because of the dialogue. We know the dialogue is really crazy. The characters are super smart. They don't really talk like normal people talk, but it's super smart dialogue. You get that in billions as well, but it's like toned down enough that it's still smart, but it's more relatable. It's very punchy, uh, a lot of pop culture and music references. The soundtrack, yeah. the music is always dope. They have great like guest appearances all the time. And I don't mean uh I don't mean like celebrity appearances. I just mean like the new characters that they bring in, like the the district attorney who comes in. This guy is great by the way. Um oh, he yeah. was the not the warden but the second in charge in Shawshank. What's my guy's name? I can't remember his name off offhand, but like the head cop in, in Shawshank. That guy. He's, he's in. It's so good. So good. Billions, billions, billions. Watch it. Do it.
1: Do You're it. crazy. Hey. You're crazy.
0: Just saying. Report back. And people, can you please comment on this podcast and, and let Webby know we that he should know. be watching Billions, please?
1: Is, is Billions a good
0: show? Is Billions a good show? Come on, people. I need you to comment either good? on Twitter or wherever you download this podcast and let Webby know that Billions is a good show, please. Can you do that? That's all I ask for the next week, right? And you know what? <laughs> if you if you find me on, on Twitter at Shell Alexander or on Instagram at Shell Alexander, I will gladly send those messages to Andrew Webster and flood his social media accounts as well with all yeah, that good if news. You wanna,
1: if you wanna tell me why Billions is a good show, Tell me why Billions is a good show. Hit me up at Webster 84
0: And you know what, if you also wanna hit us up and just talk some NBA midway through the season or midway through the week as the Raptors have one of their biggest weeks of the season, you can do that as well because you know what, this is the Ball on Blast podcast, part of the On Blast podcast network which you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on SoundCloud, You can find us on YouTube, even if that works better for you as well. And remember, we are, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Tune in next week when we'll have more of this whole grain goodness for you. Right, Webby? Until next Uh, time. See
1: ya!